Shalom, my friends. Jim Martin, once again, coming to you with a study from God's Word, the timeless truths that He has given us. Today we consider a very strange incident in the life of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, whom God ordained to uh, both discipline and care for his people. The incident is, once again, uh, as a result of the pride of this despotic king, Nebuchadnezzar, how he was warned through a dream to repent of his arrogance, to humbly submit to the sovereignty of the Lord God, Jehovah. We see that he refused to do so in this incident that's recorded for us in Daniel's prophecy, chapter 4. I want to encourage you to go ahead and download a copy of the study notes. There's much, much more there in the study notes than we can possibly cover in a uh, hopefully brief broadcast time. Now, pray with me, if you will. Father God, we just lay this time of study and challenge from you. We, We lay it before you, and we lay ourselves before you. We bow before you, Lord God Almighty. King of the universe. We pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to your truth, to the core principles that you are trying to teach us through your word and through this study of how we are to believe and to behave in 21st century Babylon. Lord, we know that you you are with us. We know that you are trying to guide us. Help us to be willing and eager and able followers. These things we ask with thanksgiving and, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Very well then. The fourth chapter of Daniel's prophecy, his book, is apparently a copy or a rendition of a decree or a proclamation that the king issued after his recovery from a a debilitating condition known as boanthropy. Uh, This is a known medical condition. It is rare, of course. It is a condition in which a human being thinks him or herself to be a cow or an ox, and that seems humorous and ridiculous to us, but I think to that person that's suffering from this, it's uh, not at all funny. (laughs) In fact, it's, it's quite serious. It's quite disturbing. And that's what God intended as he sent this condition upon Nebuchadnezzar. Now, we can, write, we can read that he, once again, uh, similar to chapters uh, 2 and 3, to the conclusions of those chapters, after he was rebuked, and after he received the truth of God's sovereignty, he gave praise and honor to God. We see that Daniel, whom he called Belteshazzar by his Babylonian designation, Daniel was recognized as being in touch with the supernatural spirit being. They didn't understand who they were. They didn't really bother with that. They just said, okay, there's a, there are forces uh, at play in our lives that are beyond our comprehension, beyond our ability to apprehend, or much less comprehend. So we, uh, we just have to give them acknowledgement that they exist in theological terms this would be agnosticism it's it's 
recognizing a higher power that you cannot know and indeed that you are not going to apply yourself to get to know. Uh, It's just saying, okay, yes, they're there. They're probably real, but it's none of my business. It's none of my affair. So, here we go. Daniel chapter 4 opens up with Nebuchadnezzar issuing a proclamation in which he recounts uh, yet another dream that he has had. God has communicated with this authority that he has placed over his people for their discipline and protection and provision. He has given this man a dream. He has awakened him, if you will, to there's something about to happen that if you don't change your direction and your ways and your attitude, uh, it's going to be devastating. So after this dream, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar wakes up. He calls in all of his counselors, uh, his his satraps, and his magicians. None of them can make any sense of this dream. Finally, he remembers that there's a man who has, in the past, interpreted dream. And he's an associate with these three men that he threw into the furnace in chapter 3. And yet, who survived that attempted execution uh, after which case he again uh, he gave praise to the god of heaven so he calls in belteshazzar slash daniel and he tells him the dream and the dream consists of a large tree that's bearing fruit which is metaphorical for being a blessing and a provision for many peoples and the animals out there in the field this tree was cut down an entity a personage that Nebuchadnezzar calls a watcher, comes and makes a declaration. Now, we don't know who or what these watchers are. We assume that they're angels. And the and the, the angelic being, the supernatural being that Nebuchadnezzar recognizes, makes a proclamation that the tree is to be cut down, but not utterly destroyed. A band, of, a, a metallic band is to be strapped around it to protect it. There's going to be a a shoot that comes up. Very disturbing dream to Nebuchadnezzar. Very mystical and mysterious. So he calls in Daniel. And Daniel says Daniel is also disturbed by this dream. Because Daniel has by this time recognized that God is at work through the authorities that he has placed over him. And over his people, the Jews. And he's disturbed that the, because he knows that this is a proclamation of judgment from God to Nebuchadnezzar. So he issues the uh, interpretation of the dream that the tree represents Nebuchadnezzar and his responsibility for caring not only for Daniel and his people, but for the many people that he has conquered, that Nebuchadnezzar has conquered over the years. And uh, yet, Nebuchadnezzar receives this. He um, he gives an expression of gratitude to Daniel, but he doesn't change his ways. And so as we read here in Daniel's synopsis, uh, he repeats the the uh, dream and the interpretation. And, and yet in verse 29 of chapter 4, we see that the king didn't change. And God was was so patient towards Nebuchadnezzar, allowed this to go on for a year, 12 months. Daniel 4.29, let's read there. 
Twelve months later, he, he, Nebuchadnezzar, was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? Do you see how many times the word my and I, those pronouns are in there? Where's his focus? Where's his center of attention? Is it not on himself? Have great things been done by Nebuchadnezzar and through him? Most certainly. But he is not to receive the praise. Have you done great things? Have great things happened? Well, you give God praise and you bow before him and just bow in wonder and admiration before the Lord God. The king, uh, while the word, in verse 31, while the word, these words of arrogance and pride were in his mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you. I think this is a good point to be made to anybody in authority in any area of life. Sovereignty is given and it can be removed. I think it'd be a good thing for our politicians and political leaders and our judges to reckon with that, come to a reckoning with that, don't you? That sovereignty is given by the Lord. It can be removed by Him. Sovereignty has been removed from you and you will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and he bestows it on whomever he wishes. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, you're in a high and lofty place. You're about to be removed temporarily from that position until you recognize the order of things in the universe. And we know the this story is so, such a common story that he became like an animal. And apparently his behavior was so animal-like, even though he was his normal personality was quite, what shall we say, frangible. He would be given to fits of rage and temper tantrums. He was an awfully cruel ruler. We know that. But apparently it just got to where people couldn't live around him. Uh, and so he was driven out of the palace into the into the fields. Now, perhaps his beloved counselors set a watch over him to make sure that he he was not consumed by the other animals out there. We don't know. Maybe he was given a, a cattle stall. We do not know. It doesn't matter. The fact is that this condition, boanthropy, this persisted for seven years. And Nebuchadnezzar himself says at the end of this period of time that was proclaimed by and ordained, ordained and proclaimed by the Lord, at the end of this period of time, his mind was given back to him. And, and he says, God says, okay, I want to restore your sense. You're, you're, you, you can come to your senses. You've come to the end of yourself. You come to your senses now. What are you going to do? And he says, at this time, I acknowledge that there is a God and I'm not him. Good thing for all of us to acknowledge, right? Good thing for our politicians to acknowledge. There is a God. I'm not him. I'd better humble myself under his mighty hand. And so that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He humbled himself. And he issued this proclamation that there is no other God 
but the God of heaven. Now, he says in verse 35, uh, 34 and 35, let's read that. At the end of that period of seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my reasoned returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. He has gotten right with Jehovah. For His dominion, God's dominion, is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but He does according to His will in the host of heaven and among inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, What have you done? At that time, my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. Uh Uh-oh. He still has an eye on himself, doesn't he? And my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out, and I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true, and his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. To that we would say a hearty amen. So he said, okay, so Nebuchadnezzar was saved, right? Well, you got to look at what happened afterwards. And, we, and you've got to, to understand that though God has revealed himself several times and in uh, several different ways, Nebuchadnezzar did not change his heart. We have people today, my friends, that are giving praise to God. They're giving acknowledgement to the sovereignty of the Most High. And yet their ways and their hearts are not changed. What does that mean? That means for all practical purposes we live like animals. We live like animals. The passions and the desires of our hearts rule over us. God has given us a spirit with which we, number one, can have a personal relationship with Him. But number two, that spirit, that that supernatural godly spirit, is given to us so that we might have dominion over our passions and desires. They must not rule over us. We go back to Cain and Abel, Garden of Eden, and how Cain, the passions and the desires in Cain's heart, finally overtook him and his his understanding and, and sense of what was right and wrong, and he murdered his own brother out of jealousy and pride and was disconnected and cut off from the godly life. We see that, and yet people... Even with all this history and all the precedent that is set before us, people will not change. They will not turn from their wicked ways. Oh, my friends, there are three root causes of sin and temptation in the world today. We've studied that. We've taught that so many times in the past. You can look at that in First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. In verse 16 says, the, the, the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, these things are not of the Father, they are of the world. And we see the boastful pride of life. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar had it all. He had the, the lust of the flesh. He says, oh, let's just have a party. Don't worry about tomorrow. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry. He had the lust of the eyes, the, the desire for more. Because people say, well, money isn't really good for purchasing 
anything when you have everything you need. It's just a way of keeping score. Uh, if I have more, then I am more. That's that second lust, that lust of the eyes. And then that that final one where it says the boastful pride of life, where I am king, I am sovereign. Oh, my friends, you are not. I am not. We are the servants of God Most High. What He wills, we must seek, learn, and do. Nebuchadnezzar's reign ended. He might have been a, a, a temporary, a temporal and a regional sovereign, but he, he was not infinite. He was not everlasting, nor was his reign, his rule. He, God revealed that to him in the, in the second chapter of Daniel with this fourfold construction of a statue. Yes, he was for the moment king of Babylon, but that reign would end, and it most certainly did. Nebuchadnezzar died, his progeny died, the Medes and the Persians came in to take over as predicted, as prophesied. They died away. All the others, the Greek Empire crumbled, Rome crumbled, but the the kingdom of God lasts forever. Let's go with the permanent. Let's go with the universal and eternal. I think that's that's the way we need to go. We need to pray for our leaders in every segment of our lives, in our national political arena, the the the, the executive branch, the the legislative branch of our our Senate and our Congress, our judicial branch, which is. As I'm recording this, has just begun a new season. And one of the primary things that is before the, the court is the right to abortion, the right to murder your own child unborn. That, once again, has come before our Supreme Court. Oh, my friends, pray for the, our, our judges, that they be strong, that they be righteous, that they seek out not just the Constitution, but seek out the will of God and the plan and purpose of God. Pray for them. Pray for the legislative branch, that they would enact righteous laws, that they would exhibit restraint in spending the money that they exact from the people. For our executive branch, that they humbly acknowledge the sovereignty of Almighty God. Oh, and bow before Him, truly changing our ways. That's what God wants. He's not satisfied with the words and the proclamations of our lips. He sees our hearts. He knows what our motivations are. So let's bow before Him. Oh, my, my friends, proclaim the truth, but more importantly, live it. Live it out in public, in humility today. There is no God but Jehovah. Shema Israel, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, hear, O people. The Lord, He is God. The Lord is one. Pray with me. Father, thank you for hearing us pray and for blessing us in this time. I pray for my friends out there and my family as they listen to this broadcast that they would avail themselves of the study notes and and make a serious study of your truth 
as you reveal it in your servant Daniel in his the fourth chapter of his book. Thank you, Father, for hearing us pray. We've done so, and we live so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.